What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. We have daily content going out over there. These podcasts, of course, come out every day. We got daily pickup articles. We have two-star pitcher pieces. We have our bullpen article, buy low, sell high. We have weather. We have so many things that go out daily and weekly at Sports Ethos that you guys need to be checking out. If you're not on Twitter, you can find all those great pieces at sportsethos.com. And we are not just limited to baseball, of course. We used to be known as hoopball. I'm not sure how many people here were around in the hoopball days, but we were not always sports ethos. We used to just focus on basketball. Now we focus on all four major sports, team coverage, DFS, wagering. We got it all, so please make sure you guys are checking out sportsethos.com if you haven't already. Today, it is Tuesday, and if you listen regularly, you know today is our mailbag day. And if you don't listen regularly and you want to get a question in, we do them every single Tuesday. I've not been as good recently. I've been so busy with work recently. It's been crazy that I haven't been as attentive uh, to the Twitter questions that I usually get. I am very apologetic on that front. It's something that I pride myself on is answering your questions. It's something that I take seriously <clears throat> right from the get-go when people started messaging me. It was always something that I always really took as a big responsibility because sometimes you guys might have a lot of money in your leagues. Even if you don't have a lot of money on the line in your leagues, you guys are asking me for advice, and I always really honestly take that as a huge responsibility. I haven't been as good recently just because real life has gotten in the way. There's been some personal stuff in my life. My work schedule has been crazy, not ending till almost 7 o'clock a lot of the days. So I haven't been as attentive <clears throat> on the Twitter front asking questions. That is why we are doing partially why we're doing these mailbag shows. And we got about 30 questions today over on Twitter. So I really appreciate all of that interaction. It's really great for the show. It's great for the Twitter. And it's great for all of it. And it's great for you guys because you get your questions answered. Now, I got through pretty much all of these over on Twitter. Uh, I answered just about all of them. There's a couple of Dynasty questions that I didn't get to because, like I've said repeatedly, I'm not a Dynasty guy. There are just so many great people out there producing Dynasty content, including Andrew, who works for us, Andrew DeShegley, who works with Sports Ethos. You can find him on Twitter at Andrew underscore FBB. He is our Dynasty guy. So please direct your questions to him. I added him in the comments for one or two of the questions just to see what his opinion was. Uh, But I've answered pretty much all these questions over on Twitter, the ones that we haven't answered. Uh, I'm going to get Andrew to go and take a look at those Dynasty ones. But we're going to be talking about maybe not every single one here because there were some repeats. I'm going to talk about the more pertinent ones. And we're going to get started off with a question here from Ryan. Now, I initially misinterpreted this question. He asked, when should we start to worry about innings limits? Should we start trying to move young guys that may be capped after the All-Star break? Now, I first read this as innings limits for a league, when there are certain leagues that have a certain number of innings that you're allowed to have your pitchers throw for the whole year. Now, that's how I initially read the question. Ryan, you know, he clarified it. He's actually asking about those guys, like, you know, a Yuri Perez, for example, or a young guy like a Tanner Bybee or one of the Millers, Bobby or Bryce. Should you start to think about moving these guys, <clears throat> selling them for a high or a sell-high kind of situation, and then you don't have to really worry down the stretch about, you know, these guys getting sent down or, you know, abbreviated starts or anything like that. I understand wanting to do that, but it's also such a crapshoot to try and decipher what teams are going to do so far in advance. You know, what I ended up saying was I'm not necessarily opposed to selling these rookie pitchers. If you can sell very high on a Bobby Miller or a Bybee or whoever, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I also think you might trade him for somebody who gets hurt. You might trade him for another guy who potentially might have some innings limits or doesn't do very well. 
it's in a year where the pitching landscape is one of the weirdest that I can recall in quite a while. I wouldn't be rushing to trade these guys away. I would understand it. I would understand if you want to say, look, Bobby Miller has been exceptional. You know, his last start against San Francisco, notwithstanding, he's been really, really good overall. Trying to bank that and get somebody who you're pretty sure is not going to be shut down, I understand it. But at the same time, maybe Bobby Miller doesn't get shut down. Maybe Bobby Miller just is fantastic, one of the best pitchers down the stretch. It's, it's so hard to judge from that perspective, especially when it's a fairly broad question like that. Excuse me. So I generally would say that, you know, hold on to who you have unless you're getting an offer that blows you away when you try and do those things. And it's the same kind of thing when you like, if you're playing head to head and you try and plan ahead for the schedule. Oh, it's the championship week. We got seven games from so and so. So I'm going to trade for so and so. Get yourself there first and then worry about it. It's not the exact same kind of question. It's similar vibes. Uh, I, I try not to worry about those things until kind of later on. And I guess if there were people who did interpret it the way I did, uh, stupidly in the middle of the workday, just looking at it, and I saw it wrong. If you do have innings limits for your league, I, I wouldn't start to look at those until you know there's maybe several between four and six weeks left in the season kind of range. That's when I would start to look at those. As of now, I know, I know it wasn't the direct question that Ryan asked, but if you are somebody who is kind of worried about that, oh, yeah, these guys are going to, I'm going to go over my innings limit. I'm going to have barely any innings, whatever. That's not something that I really tend to worry about until we get closer to the end of the season. Worry about your stats, worry about your strikeouts and your ratios and your wins as much as you can, even though that's a big headache. Uh, but in terms of actually you know, planning out for how many innings guys are going to pitch down the stretch, it can be a very, very frustrating exercise, and usually we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Nobody, the smartest people in the baseball world or the dumbest people in the baseball world, can't really project what a pitcher's innings are going to look like down the stretch. Even if you look at projection systems, some of them are you know excellent. I love the bat. I love the bat X. I love ATC. Steamer has its you know uses. Zips has its uses. There are you know great work that's done by those guys, but at the same time, we have no clue how many innings anybody's going to pitch down the stretch. So. You know, I would generally say if you can sell very high, always, yeah, sure. But I'm, I'm fine to stand pat with these younger guys at the same time. Just got offered Zach Eflin and Kyle Hendricks for Bobby Witt and Pablo Lopez. Could use the pitching depth, but Mookie uh, getting shortstop eligibility and having Ellie makes Bobby expendable. It seems like everybody's got Ellie at least in one league, which is great to see because he's been fantastic. Uh, I know he's not been maybe exactly what everybody's hoping for because everybody just has crazy, stupid high expectations for everybody. But he's stealing bases, you know. He's batting 271. He's got six steals in his first 48 at bats, which is ridiculous. Uh, you know, since he's been called up, it's been the last two weeks worth of game time, technically. If you're looking at Yahoo, he's ranked as the 37th overall player. So he is somebody that you, I hope you got in on. Uh, and as a side note, Ellie De La Cruz is only 91% rostered on Yahoo. So if you're in one of those shallow leagues or wherever where he's not in one of the other 9% there, uh, definitely take a look. But in this trade, Zach Eflin and Kyle Hendricks for Bobby Witt and Pablo Lopez. I am taking the Bobby Witt Jr. side every single time. Pablo Lopez, it's been a little bit disappointing recently, I guess is the best way you could put it. He started off the season very, very well. It has definitely not been that same smooth sailing, but if you look under the hood a little bit, he's striking out a lot of batters, nearly 30% still. He's walking 7%, which is still very good. That 440 ERA is not pretty, but a 352 XFIP, 349 FIP. 323 XERA. He's being he's very unlucky, uh, to, you know, to put it bluntly, to go along with Bobby Witt, who has been a top 40, top 45 fantasy player. I'll take that over Zach Eflin, who has, granted, been excellent this year and is not an ace, but you know, he's pitching like an ace this season. And in the year where pitching is so hard to come by, 
what Zach Eflin's done has been absolutely game-changing for you. But him with Kyle Hendricks, it's still pretty volatile. I look at the other side of that trade, Witt and Pablo Lopez. There's definitely a lot more talent on that side of the trade. You're getting the position player who is playing every single day and stealing bases and hitting home runs. Kyle Hendricks is a huge crapshoot. Eflin is to a lesser degree. He's very good, but will he keep this up the entire season, give you a sub-3 or low-3 ERA? Maybe he does, but I'd rather bank on Pablo Lopez turning it around a little bit and Bobby Witt at that same, uh, in that same trade because that is, in my mind, a much better side there. Uh, Wilson Contreras, do we think he turns it around? Rather him, Danny Jansen, uh, Yaner Diaz, or Patrick Bailey in Dynasty? I'm still going Wilson Contreras here. It's still way too soon for me to make any kind of judgments in those terms of Dynasty. Even for redraft, I'm not dropping Wilson Contreras. But I think, the, you know, at the end of the day, he's filling the shoes of Yadier Molina, which was going to be impossibly hard for whoever got the job. He's taken a lot longer to adjust than we would have hoped for. But at the same time, he's got eight home runs. He's got five steals. He's still batting in the middle of a very good lineup. I've talked about their lineup repeatedly over the last couple of weeks. They're not as bad as they're made out to be. They're still a top 10, 15 offense in baseball. And I think Contreras in the middle of that lineup, even though he's seven for his last 70, it's been freaking horrendous. It's been awful. But I can't help but think that he will turn it around over time once he gets a little more settled into that Cardinals uniform. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about him, especially even if it's a redraft league, I'm holding him. But from a dynasty perspective, I'm definitely still holding as well. Uh, Chris asked me to rank a bunch of relievers here. So he asked for Nick Martinez, Albert Alzale, uh, Eric Swanson, David Robertson, Kendall Graveman, Ryan Presley, and Andrew Chafin. The order that I came up with for these guys, Ryan Presley, and then David Robertson, then Alzale, then Chafin, Graveman, Martinez, and then Swanson. It's very difficult to go through every single person there. There's a lot of questions we want to get to, but that is the order I came up with. He also asked Luke Rayleigh or Austin Hayes. I went with Hayes over Rayleigh. I think the playing time is a little more secure, and Hayes has been just excellent. Like, you wouldn't even really believe it, but he's been a top 100 player. Over the last month, he's nearly a top 50 player, and for the season, Austin Hayes is hitting 320. Will that sustain? I'm not sure, but at least he's getting everyday playing time, where Luke Rayleigh, as great as he's been, you don't know on a daily basis if he's going to be in the lineup or not. Uh, you know, he's either batting third or he's not in the lineup at all. It's been a little more frequent recently, but it's still not something I would bank on over what we've seen out of Austin Hayes. He's been fantastic. Uh, Guriel Jr. or Leody Tavares also asking about Torque, Spencer Torkelson or Joey Manessis. I went with Leody Tavares and Joey Manessis. As hot as Guriel was, I don't know that he'll be able to sustain that watching him for all those years in Toronto. Almost certain that he won't sustain anything like that. He's already started to come off a cliff a little bit. So I took Leody there. Leody Tavares has been wonderful in that amazing Texas lineup. He doesn't even need to be batting above ninth to have great value. The last month, he's a top 25 player. Over the course of the whole season, he's bordering on top 100 in terms of totals. He's got eight homers, seven steals, batting 301. He's been a godsend. So I will take him. In terms of Torkelson or Joy Manessis, Torkelson is not that impressive of a player. <clears throat> I think that Torkelson is hugely overrated, and I think he's going to end up being a bust in Major League Baseball. From what I've seen, it might be way too soon to be to be given that designation out that he's a bust. He's just not very good. He's just nothing that I see. And again, I'm not the biggest minor league prospect guy. I don't dig through all the data, and I haven't been watching these guys for years. I mean, I dig through data, but I don't dig through all of the minor league data because there is so much of it. There's so many levels of it. I haven't followed Spencer Torkelson around for you know, his career his, since 2021 when he was in high A. I haven't watched him all the time. These last couple of years, I've been keeping tabs on him. He's got a good walk rate. He gets on base. Overall, though, I think that he's fairly unimpressive. He's been fairly unimpressive at the major league level. I think he was kind of overrated even in the minor leagues. He had good power. Never hit for a good batting average. And when you don't hit for a good batting average in the minor leagues, 
sure as shit, you're going to hit for a poor batting average in the major leagues, and that's what we've seen. He's a 215 hitter through his first 180 games. <clears throat> Will the power come around? I hope so, and I think that's kind of the saving grace for Torkelson is that you know the power was always there from a young age. You know, 50 games in Double A in 2021, 14 homers, and then he played in Triple A in 2021, another 40 games, 11 homers. So 90 games, 25 homers at Double A and Triple A. That's good. We haven't seen that translated to the big leagues at all yet. On the other side of that, Joey Manessis, who I am a huge hater of. I'm a hater of Manessis going back to the preseason when people were drafting him top 100. That being said, he's batting nearly 300. You're not getting a lot of power out of him, but you're getting decent counting stats, 29 runs, 35 ribbies, and he's batting nearly 300. So uh, he would be the guy I think is safer to go with. Obviously, there's a higher ceiling with Spencer Torkelson, but I just haven't seen it at the big league level. I'd be inclined to say right now that he is going to be a bust. And I could be wrong. He's 23. Is he 23 years old still? About to be 24. He's a young guy. I might be speaking out of my ass, but at this point, I'm not a big fan of Spencer Torkelson. Now, this one was kind of interesting. Uh, who is up first? John asked me. John Basher asked me. Who is up first? Ronnie, as in Mauricio, CES, as in Christian Encarnacion Strand, or Gavin Williams? <clears throat> I said, I'd guess Gavin Williams, but it's anyone's guess, really. It's a really tough question. And then within about a half an hour, Gavin Williams was recalled. So let's talk Gavin Williams for a second. He's a stud. Uh, I literally just added him in my home league uh, about 20 minutes ago. He's the guy that I went to add. I dropped Michael King. I was hoping for better for Michael King, but my God, it's been it's been not good. No saves, nothing really going on there. So I dropped, probably should have dropped him a while ago in all honesty. But I picked up Gavin Williams. He has shown massive strikeouts in the minor leagues across pretty much all levels. Now, the walk rate jumped this year, which was not good. He's over 10% for the first time in his minor league career. is up to 11.5%. But everything he's doing, in my mind, is, is fairly uh, translatable to the major league level with those big strikeouts. The fact that he is able to get swings and misses is huge. If he's able to work on the control a little bit and get that walk rate down to where it has been these last couple of seasons, even if it's a little bit above league average at 8 or 9%, generally 8% is about league average. If he's walking 8 9% while striking out over 30%, you know, you got that over 20% K minus walk rate. That's huge. And I think that, you know, overall, he's worth adding for right now. You know, uh, he's going to be starting. If everything goes according to plan, and they said this, so I have to you know, take it at face value, he'll be starting against the Athletics on Wednesday. So however you know, how much faith you have in him long-term, that's a great option there to start on Wednesday for a streamer there uh, against the Athletics, who are not a great team. But we already know about that. We don't need to torment the fans any more than they already get tormented on a daily basis. What to do with Tristan McKenzie? I don't have an IL spot at the moment with Urias and Nestor Cortez both on there. I'm fine at cup eight. I am, I'm not a big Tristan McKenzie guy to begin with. I've never been a huge believer in what he does. Uh, you know, these last couple of years, the strikeout rate going down has not been something that's given me any comfort. Uh, he's been outperforming his peripherals for a while now. I just don't think that he's really that good when he's healthy. I think that he's an overrated pitcher. That's not even factoring in what we heard the other day, which is that he is likely to miss – they haven't even announced an actual timeline yet – uh, with, I believe it was elbow soreness. Is that how they classified it? Actually, no, it's a UCL sprain. This is, oh, this was literally 20 minutes ago. This is 20 minutes ago. Um, so this is what happens when you work the whole day and then come home. So what I the last update I saw was he was on a 15-day IL with a right elbow sprain. Uh, I didn't think it was that that serious. You know, elbow is always a little bit, you know, troublesome. But there was a report from NBC Sports Edge. They said that it's looking like he won't be making an impact for the rest of the season for fantasy managers because of how long he's expected to be out. This was on Saturday. 
Um, now, today they announced that he was going to be shut down for multiple weeks, and then just 20 minutes ago, uh, diagnosed with a UCL sprain in his right elbow. So he'll be shut down from throwing for at least a few weeks. He's likely to be out four to six weeks. That timeline could change. Uh, it's not the worst-case outcome, but it's definitely not great. So the best-case scenario right now is August. Go ahead and drop Tristan McKenzie. There's no real need to hold him unless you're one of those people who is currently have <laughs> with no uh, injuries on your team and you can stick him on the IL, I guess, sure. But I've never been a big believer coming back from an elbow injury that he's going to have to ramp up from now midseason. I really don't have a lot of hope there. So if you want to drop Tristan McKenzie – I give you my blessing. Go ahead, send him to the waiver wire, and use that spot for something a little better. Uh, two shortstops on my roster, Javi Baez and Tim Anderson. What's your take on them? Trade, drop, and add, or hold a couple of free agents, Perdomo, Abrams, and Kim. So if those are the options, then I'm just holding, right? If there was somebody like you know a Matt McClain or somebody like that on your waiver wire that just was passed over or forgotten about, then sure. Uh, but if those are your best options there, P- Perdomo, who's uh, I don't, not sustainable production, Abrams, who's not terribly good, and, and Hashan Kim, I believe that's, you just said Kim, I, that's the Kim I'm going to assume, who's pretty all right. But, I mean, if those are your options there, you know, I'd rather bank on Tim Anderson turning it around. Javi Baez is more the interesting one because, you know, it's kind of been a while now with him. But you're still getting homers and steals, and at the end of the day, you're probably going to end up with, you know, 15 and 15, something close to that, maybe 12 and 15, 15 and 13, something along those lines. And I think that's fairly valuable, and I don't know that you're going to necessarily find that in abundance on the waiver wire. Baez has also been pretty good recently. He's batting 300 over the last two weeks with a couple of dingers. So I'd bank on those guys turning it around before I'd bank on Geraldo Perdomo doing anything. Um, Now, Tim Anderson's day-to-day, he's got a bit of a shoulder sprain. But this is not something that I would look at and say, you know, you're dropping Tim Anderson. He's still somebody that I have faith in over the course of the season. As bad as it has been, uh, I don't think that he is a droppable player just yet. Uh, Is Sandy Alcantara broken or just unlucky? I honestly think he's just not as good as we were expecting him to be. And that's not as much of a real-life slight as it is a fantasy one. Real life? He's able to you know, pitch a lot of innings, go deep into games. That's incredibly valuable for any pitching staff in Major League Baseball. He goes deep into games. He pitches a lot of innings. That's great. From a fantasy point of view, he pitches for a shitty team. He has 14 starts this year. He's won two games. Last year in 32 starts, 14 wins, which was actually pretty good. The year before, 33 starts, 9 wins. So pitching for Miami, pitching for any bad teams is going to you know, lead to fewer wins, fewer win opportunities just by default. The strikeouts have never been there with Sandy, and this year they're gotten even worse. You know, these last couple of years he's kind of gotten by with his low strikeout rate because he's going deep into games because he's not walking anybody really. That walk rate's up nearly 2% this year. Strikeout rate is down 4%. So you're not going to have any success when you're striking out less than 20% of batters with a walk rate that is not exceptional. If you're somebody that doesn't walk anybody, you know, a George Kirby type, and even George Kirby striking out more than this, then you can maybe get by with a 20% K rate. But considering the fact that he is getting, you know, the shit kicked out of him every time he goes out there, even by poor teams, you have to think that maybe there's part of it that is the shift. A guy who has generally been not a massive ground ball pitcher, but somebody who has benefited from the shift, I believe. I mean, nearly 50% ground ball rate still, it's pretty high. Uh, I'm not even actually sure what is a league average ground ball rate. Um, But Sandy Alcantara has been pretty bad um you know that's not to say that he is a drop necessarily but it is to say that I don't have a hell of a lot of faith in him turning it around I think that there's a decent chance of it don't get me wrong there's still a decent chance that Sandy figures something out 
but I think he's just honestly not as good as we were hoping for, as we have been expecting, because, you know, he's the reigning Cy Young winner, blah, blah, blah. He's volumed his way to very good fantasy seasons with very low actual, you know, strikeout numbers on a per-game basis, and I think that he's kind of got exposed this year with the shift being gone. So when I did my rest-of-season pitcher rankings, I had Sandy 35 or 36. You could make an argument that he is not a top-50 pitcher rest-of-season. You could make that argument, and I'll get a lot of pushback. I got a lot of pushback about a couple of things, which is just the nature of rankings, but I don't have a hell of a lot of faith uh, in Sandy Alcantara at this point. It's really, really bad. Uh, is it time to drop Byron Buxton? I wouldn't yet. As much as you might be tempted to, I think you got to give him a little bit of chance now that he's healthy, or he's healthy for the time being. You cross your fingers, you knock on wood to see if he can kind of get in a groove. Because his last 45 at-bats, he has four hits. His last 16 at-bats, he does not have a base hit. So it's really been awful. He's batting nearly under 200 for the year. That being said, in less than 200 at-bats, he's got ten, uh, excuse me, 10 homers and six stolen bases. The steals have come back a little bit for Buxton, which is huge. Not what we were expecting, and maybe not what fantasy managers even want to see, because that'll just put him at further risk of getting injured. But Byron Buxton, for me, is still not an expendable player. <clears throat> Unless you're in maybe an eight-team league, then maybe you can do it. I don't think you can do it in a lot of formats, though. I'm still holding on to him where I can. Uh, Royce Lewis, are we hanging on or moving on? No stolen bases and no homer since his third game. I'm fine to drop him <clears throat> in shallow formats. He hasn't been terrible, Royce Lewis. That's the thing. For the season, he's still batting 281. We've only seen 57 at-bats from him. 281, you know, we're talking about he hasn't homered, stolen base since his third game. It's, he's only been up for a couple weeks, you know. Uh, people are very quick to move on. At the same time, he is starting to be platooned a little bit, and he actually sat, I believe it was two games in a row uh, against Detroit and against Boston. And Mike Curland, shout out Mike Curland if you're not following him on Twitter. I believe it's just at Mike Curland. Let me actually take a look here. So I'm shouting out the proper Twitter account. Uh, Mike, where the hell is Mike? Here he is. Yeah, Mike underscore Curland. If you're not following Mike, he does tons of great lineup stuff. His Patreon is well worth subscribing to as well at Gaining the Edge with content from a lot of other great people in the community as well. He's been talking about Royce Lewis, about how he is losing playing time, and he's not hitting those home runs. He's not stealing bases. I would understand it in shallow formats if you do want to move on. I think in most cases, 12 teams and deeper, you're probably holding on to Royce Lewis still. Third and shortstop eligible on Yahoo is really nice. Like I said, he's batting 281 through 57 at-bats with a couple of homers. It's really fine. Uh, in shallow formats, again, go ahead and move on. But for the most part, I am going to be trying uh, trying my best to hold on to Royce Lewis where I can still. Uh, we'll get to a couple more questions here. Uh, do I expect a big second half from Eloy Jimenez? No, I don't at this point. Uh, you know, he's you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That whole thing. Eloy Jimenez is somebody that you can't rely on as far as you could throw him. And even when he's healthy, he's not even been that great this year. He's batting 252, eight homers. You know, eight homers and 163 at-bats is fine. But overall, am I expecting a big second half? I'm expecting an IL stint. Like, that's what I'm expecting from Eloy. I just, uh, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I'm done with him. I'm done with mostly injury-prone players. I just don't think that there's a lot of good that you're really going to see out of him at this point. Uh, you know, I might be wrong. But in the lineup that has not really done that well, somebody who's constantly hurt, I just can't really see it happening at this point. Uh, thoughts on Bryce Harper rest of season? <clears throat> I think he'll be fine. I think he's still generally in the ramp-up stage. He's not fully there yet, as crazy as it might sound. Uh, we're talking about, what is it, 150 at-bats? He's still batting 296, right? This isn't even you know the best version of Bryce Harper that there is. Still, three homers, five steals, he's batting 296 over the 150 at-bats. You'll take that. You'll absolutely take what he's been giving you. And I think that he's just going to get even better as he ramps up more and more. So no problem 
uh, with Bryce Harper. Just ask what my thoughts are rest of the season. Definitely still uh, very much in on Bryce Harper, which is, you know, no duh. You're not dropping him. Uh, But I'm not worried uh, at all. He's batting almost 300. He's doing well. Uh, you know, these last couple of weeks, no home runs, which is a little concerning, but he's stealing a couple bases for you. I, I wouldn't be overly concerned here. Uh, Jose Altuve or Orlando Arcia, rest of season. You know, as good as Arcia has been, uh, you, you got to go with Jose Altuve there. That's that's a pretty pretty easy one for me. Uh, thoughts on Dylan Cease tonight? Thinking of starting him. I would start him, personally. I mean, against Texas is always kind of a risky one. This game starts a little bit after we're recording here, but that's why I answer on Twitter as well. He's been really good recently over the last month, 338 ERA, 124 whip, uh, 34 Ks in 26 innings. For the whole season, 431 ERA, a little bit inflated. But I'm, I'm not that worried. You know, Texas is a tough team, but I will you know, defer to Dylan Cease here and his great track record recently to say that you know, I feel like he'll probably carry that on. Texas has been pretty hot recently, so it is kind of a crapshoot. But a guy like Dylan Cease, I think you have to start him. I think if you're not going to start him, then what are you doing here? But in in a daily league, I suppose I would understand it. But you know, 99% of the time here, I am going to be starting Dylan Cease. Guys, that is going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we got through pretty much all these questions. There's a couple I didn't answer that I'm going to get to over on Twitter. So if you didn't hear an answer, you'll hear an answer from myself or from Andrew uh, if it's something on the Dynasty side. But, guys, really appreciate all you guys chipping in here with the questions, all you tuning into the show. It's always very much appreciated. You can reach out to me with any questions on Twitter at JoeOrico99, J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99, and also at EthosFantasyBB. That's where you get all of our new content, whether it's podcasts, articles, news and notes, Everything we got going on, you can check it out there. And, of course, sportsethos.com, the website, if you have not already. Please make sure you guys are checking it out. But, guys, until tomorrow, we'll get back to the usual content. We'll talk news and notes. We'll talk maybe some streamers. And we'll get back to what we usually do here. But until then, take care. Have a great night. And cheers. Cheers.